Time for Titans talk. Fellas, the monkey is off our back. Beat the Colts in Indianapolis, down 17-7. What do you think, big fella? Beat them. Yeah, I agree. Monkey off the back. and I don't care if it was a Colts team decimated by injuries or the plague. The fact that we beat Indy in Indianapolis is huge for me. Landon, we're down 17-7. I am uh, at a sports bar in Orlando, Florida, thinking, oh, man, it's all going to slip away. I'm going to have to do a podcast where we, we blew another game against a team. Like John said, had a good effort, especially in the first half, but was decimated with injury. What was going through your head when they were down by 10? I was just really thinking, this is a way that this Tynes team proves itself compared to the old Tynes teams. Any of the past Tynes teams we've had, they would choke that game against the Colts. They can never pull it out against our biggest rival, against the team we can never beat when it mattered most. If it were the Titans teams of last year's or two years ago, we'd have lost that game. But for some reason, this team is different. It has a different energy, a different confidence. And we came back from 10 on the road to beat Indy in their building and potentially knock them out of the playoffs. Now, it's game to game, and we all know that. But I think Landon makes an excellent point, big fella. They've, uh, they've shown themselves to be a bit different with that win Sunday, right? Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, the old Titans, we've always had a tendency to play down to our opponents and a I think there was a possibility for that, but, you know, they showed up ready to play. You know, it was kind of shaky to start off with, but, you know, we stabilized and then we took advantage of opportunities and we played smart, sound football. All right, guys, let's get right to the AFC race. That's so important to our listeners and to us to kind of see at this time of season where we stack up. We're currently the seventh seed. Baltimore, I think most football fans watched them uh, and uh, I would say one of the, one of the better games, if not the best uh, game of this regular season. Watch Baltimore beat uh, the Niners. Uh, New England has uh, gone two and two in their last four, but they're ten and two. Baltimore, of course, has the the head to head tiebreaker there. So those are your buy teams as of right now. Buffalo, we I think all predicted we would see them kind of come back down to uh, to earth. They've had some gutsy performances, uh, and Josh Allen's play has improved. They sit as the current seed. Houston, uh, of course, we're going to talk about that later. They're eight and four. And Kansas City, who looked really good against the team we're going to play this Sunday. Kansas City's eight and four. Uh, six seed Pittsburgh, surprisingly enough, by virtue of having a better conference record, uh, they are the six seed. Although Pittsburgh and Tennessee have the same record at seven and five, uh, Oakland is uh, the eight seed in the AFC currently uh, at six and six, followed by Indianapolis. So that's the layout, guys. Right now, fellas, first uh, kind of impressions on that, John. Yeah, I think we're right in the thick of it. We're kind of where we want to be. There are obviously some games we would have liked to win earlier in the year, like specifically Buffalo. Now we'll see if our schedule and, you know, the people ahead of us, the teams ahead of us kind of have a say in that. But, you know, really, we just got to take care of business, and I think it'll all work out for us. Landon, I think we're technically the seventh seed in the FC right now, but no one thinks Pittsburgh is better than Tennessee right now, right? Yeah, I don't think so, especially because they've pulled some wins out of their hats. Obviously, Devlin Hodges is better than Mason Rudolph, but he's not very good. It's just their defense is so elite that they just set up the offense with easy field position to convert for a touchdown. And they've also haven't exactly been a ton of good teams down this recent stretch. They'd be in the Bengals, the Browns, the Colts with Brian Hoyer. So their defense is really just feasting on some lackluster quarterback play. 
So it'll be interesting to see of these teams, kind of who they play down the stretch. I know we have a tough schedule. We've talked about that. Our biggest rival in former city, two of the next four games. We've got to uh, travel for uh, an Oakland team that's just been absolutely beat up the last two weeks and is playing for their season. Then, of course, we play New Orleans uh, in two weeks here. Going to be super interesting. Ultimately, though, like I, we've said on this podcast, I think if we go 3-1 and one in these next four, which is a tough task, uh, I'm a probabilities guy, and I believe that'll take care of itself. I think we'll find our way uh, at least to that uh, sixth seed. And I'm sort of sign of kind of moving forward with that. And I think that's what we need to be kind of focused on as fans. Like, we just got to we just gotta win three of the next four. Uh, do you guys feel the same way, John? Yeah, I kind of think so. You know, looking at these teams like you mentioned, I, don't, I think that we are better than the Steelers. I think the Buffalo Bills, they have some opportunity to drop. They don't have an easy schedule. They have the Ravens. They're at the Steelers, at the Patriots, and home for the Jets. So that's no easy stretch at all, and we could have some really good movement there. And obviously that the Buffalo and Steelers game will kind of have a, a really big impact on where right. we sit in this race. So yeah. I, I can easily see us being in that sixth seed. A lot of the talking heads this past week have been saying, which team would you rather play, the Titans or the Steelers? And I think, you know, I don't think anybody's saying that's the Titans. That's an easy question. Yeah. Uh, that's so, an easy question. Uh, absolutely. We, you mentioned before, we dug a hole. Uh, with that Bills game, we absolutely should have won. I don't like when people say we should have, would have, could have, but obviously, what a disaster. And that's not even the worst, most disappointing loss for Titans fans this season. It's the 16 to nothing loss uh, to Denver. So we've had some ugly ones, and this team has played its way back into playoff contention in spite of uh, our first six games. So it's been really impressive to see, but we do have a tough schedule. And uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, at this point, Buffalo has nine wins. I see them in the playoff picture. I honestly, all due respect for them, I would like to play them in the playoffs so they can keep winning as much as they want. And I know people are talking this week about, well, if they beat New England and Baltimore, they could be the one seed. Landon, that's just uh, about as possible as me uh, w- winning the presidency next year, right? <laughs> You would yeah. make a good president. Thank you. I wasn't fishing, but thanks. <laughs> I mean, I'd vote for you, and I'd be eligible too. But yeah, Buffalo feels like they're locked in as the fifth seed because the Patriots would have to lose at least one more game. It would have to be ideally to the Bills, and then you have to have a bunch of other tiebreakers go your way. And that's just not feasible. I know New England looked very fallible on the road in Houston in prime time, but you can't bet it against the Patriots to lose the division they've got a game and a half lead on them on the bills since they beat the bills you just can't bet against that team yeah we're doing our yearly are the patriots done right big fella and look eventually that year's coming but they yeah. have looked fallible at some point in every season just like landon just said and then they have walked away half of the last decade it seems like uh with a super bowl championship or at least appearing in the game so I'll believe all that when I see it. They have some obvious holes and some desperation. I think that second-round pick for Mohamed Sanu is all you need to know. They know they have no weapons on the outside. If the Bills were playing the Patriots in Buffalo, I might be more of a believer that they can do it. But in New England, you know, late in December, I don't think it's even a possibility. Let's go back and talk a little bit about our game Sunday. We've mentioned kind of a turning point, and we had said on this podcast – Hey, when they go up to Indy and win, then we'll be 
on board, right? And I am excited uh, about this team. We have our work cut out for us, but just the fact of uh, the run they've had to go on. We went on a bit of a run at the end of last year, and at one point had a stretch where we went 5-1, and one, but it didn't have the credibility that this one does, right, Landon? It's like we won with smoke and mirrors and some guts and with not a real answer at quarterback because of Mariota's uh, play and then uh, his injury, right? The six-game stretch with Tannehill has just been we're just straight up winning games. and We've gotten lucky. We've gotten two great fourth-down stops against the Chargers and the Bucks, and then a miraculous comeback against the Chiefs. But good teams pull wins out of their hat that they shouldn't have. We've also had wins like the Colts and the Jags, where we're just flat out the better team. And it feels like we're picking up momentum. We're clicking better. This defense, after a few rough games, played really well. The offense is elite now, I would say. it's average, Under Tannehill, it's averaging 30 points a game. And we're just hitting our stride right when we need to. Uh, you can look and you say, well, beating the teams we're supposed to. We're uh, protecting our home turf. And we're doing it the way we want to. And the way we want to is to throw 20 times a game, play really tough uh, defense, and just uh, have a, a, a really, really tough come at you run game. To me, exhibit A of why I take this win more seriously and what excites me is first half of this game we played poorly. Now, Derrick Henry didn't run poorly. He was about 10 for 50. And when he's 10 for 50 in the first half, I always think, well, He's going to unleash hell in the second half because uh, we've seen him start slow, finish really strongly. But the thing for me, those uh, first couple of drives, right, guys? Derrick Henry's opening fumble. What? Two series later, Tannehill. Tannehill. Is, he does, does not protect the ball well, and he didn't there. We all know that, and that's a thing. But uh, So we have turnovers uh, early in this game, and if we played a better offensive team, we would have been down 14 nothing. But – even then, we're down, and we scratch back. We don't panic. To me, playing from behind, and even when we were down 17-7, that is usually a recipe for disaster. For me, the difference, the litmus test for me is Derrick Henry fumbles the ball. He doesn't check out men. I'm not saying he ever has, but other people, other teams do. They were on the ropes, and I'll say this for Ryan Tannehill. The guy never looks phased. The guy has ball protection issues, right? He does make mistakes. He comes right back out there. Uh, he knows that his coaching staff is uh, has patience with him, and he knows that he does not have to make every play like he did in Miami. Uh, he knows he has to go out there and he has to execute on third down, right? Like that was where we were weakest prior to uh, Tannehill's. We are finally a team that is realizing some of our potential. From what I can see on the field, Tannehill is doing everything I wanted Marcus to do from day one. You know, he's being loud and assertive in the huddle. You know, he's getting a rapport with all these receivers and these and the linemen, and they're buying into it. Tannehill is taking that vocal presence, and it means something. And, you know, that's what you need to get into a game. You need a fiery quarterback who you, you'll follow, you know, in any situation. Right. And that's the biggest thing for me. Landon, I thought Brissett was hurt in the second half of this game. He looked totally different. Did y'all, either one of y'all get the feeling that – I mean, he was throwing off his back foot. He was just looking bad. I, I haven't. I know in the first game we played him, he didn't just fall apart. Uh, it seemed like there was something kind of physically wrong with him. Yeah, I think the injury that knocked him out of a game or two is still nagging him because he was nowhere near the guy we saw in Nashville in week two, where he's just slipping sacks, right, rushing first first down, standing tall in the pocket. 
those two interceptions were really ugly, just terrible throws. That it, if that were week two percent, he wouldn't have made it all. He wasn't as mobile as I thought. He didn't really break any sacks like he had earlier, and he wasn't much of a threat with his mobility. So there's something up with him. But at the same time, Marlon Mack, their best running back, was out. Eric Ebron, who's a good number two tight end, was out. And then T.Y. Hill, easily their best receiver, was also out. So he didn't have a lot of faith in his offensive weapons. Right. They didn't get open for him. And Except for Jack not, Oh Well, that guy always gets open against How him. How does that Jack Hill get guy. that open? Uh, unbelievable. That made me, I was so mad. Every uh, year. Come off the ledge. It's like that first play. It's like, how? they ha- Everyone else is hurt. I'll tell you somebody who Brissett didn't have a lot of confidence in. And, you know, we talked about it the other day. Quentin Nelson, for the first time, I saw him get bullied around by Jeffrey Simmons. And it was yep. a thing of beauty. So that one play in particular is being traded around a lot. But, John, did you see consistently, I know the one play you're talking about where he just absolutely blew up Conklin. But we all love to see that. But I think for either one of you, did we see him consistently getting the best of, of – um, Nelson, through the day? Um, I wouldn't say consistently. I, I would say it was probably evenly matched. You know, there were some plays where Nelson won, and there were some plays where Simmons won. From what I saw, there were a couple plays where Jeffrey Simmons looked like a man-child, kind of put Nelson in his place. And that was just like, that's why J-Rob did it. That's why we drafted oh, yeah. him in the first round. and Because, you know, he knew that this opportunity would come. Simmons can help us now, but the opportunity that presented Robinson to draft him, that's for the future. And Mm -hmm. uh, when you really have long-term success, you draft players for three seasons from now, not the season. Now, whatever they help you with, they help you. And usually players going to be good in three years can can be good role players for you now. And that's what we're seeing with Simmons. We're seeing flashes, right, Landon? It's just amazing because I really feel like Quinn Nelson might be the best offensive lineman, period, in the NFL. And for a guy who's a rookie who's having to come back from such a devastating injury like an ACL, and to be a rookie and just to flat out just win battles against a guy who's so good as a rookie, it's just really exciting for our future because Simmons and Landry are going to be a nightmare for opposing quarterbacks in the long term. Love it. Love the sound of that and the thought of that. Landon, the back end of our roster gets the game ball from me for Sunday. Special teams, back end guys that have been on the practice squad and and have been role players. This is that time of year where people have to step up and uh, people that weren't on the team are playing, people that are practice squad are playing. And those guys, the the, the people that identified them and got them on this team, uh, undrafted free agents uh, and otherwise, uh, that was the difference in this game to me. The special teams for the Colts, was that, was that the bigger part of it? Am I overplaying the, the contribution of our guys? Because, man, the Colts – just their special teams, and not just the kicking game. It's just really a poor effort by them, right? Yeah, I really think it was just, the, like you said, the cold special teams is bad. Venetary missed a kick. I know it was 55 yards, but it's indoors. And before, I feel like he would have made that. And it's very telling that he's near the end. Then we had two blocks. One of them, Austin Johnson just reached up over the pile, was able to get a hand on it. And obviously, the one we returned for a touchdown, the guy on the outside that was supposed to block interior to exterior he got caught in between the guy on the outside and the guy on the inside and he just whiffed on both so Krukshank was just had a clear path to block the kick and that's right. just that's just field goal blocking one-on-one you protect the interior before you worry about the exterior 
Because a guy on the outside might miss the block, but a guy who's running straight into the ball isn't going to miss that block. And it was just, they missed three field goals, and one was a miss, and then two were blocks. And that's just, you'd never see that in the NFL anymore. When Crookshank blocked that ball, he wasn't the only guy that was, would have blocked that ball. It was just so poor blocking as Landon has uh, outlined. You as a former player, I mean, do you, is it, give you confidence? Because it seemed like that's not something you see a lot. You've seen from our team the last few weeks, blocking kicks and doing this or that. But on the field, do they smell blood? I mean, is it like more than just you would think, like, this guy doesn't have it today and this is the pigeon and we're going to knock him out? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely in a situation like that, especially with, you know, a guy that's probably eventually going to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, with Vinatieri yeah. as a kicker. You know, when he starts missing some big kicks and some big moments, you know, you just feel like that extra juice. You can do it. And having already gotten a, a, a tipped, a blocked kick and then going for the big block and the scoop and score, it's incredible. I mean, how often do uh, many teams don't even get to block one kick in a year, let alone two in a game? Um, oh, it was incredible. It, it was amazing. I mean, you know, I know we were texting each other, and Nathan, you already said your first. Your firstborn is named is going to be named Dane, so or, or Crookshank. No, Crookshank. Right. Yeah, Crookshank. Crookshank's piece. It has a yep. ring to it, doesn't it, Gus? It has a really good, really good ring to it. But yeah, so I mean, it was incredible, and it was just, you know, I I always think that special teams is, you know, you have to win in all three phases of the game, and I feel like special teams is the easiest one to lose track of because it's not your known stars, and like you said. Our back end of the roster is incredible for this specific reason, and I think it really showed. I mean, look at the guys who who made contribution contributions on special teams. You had Crookshank who blocked it. Ty Smith recovered it. Austin Johnson he blocked another one. I mean, that's production that most teams don't get. Well, you make an excellent point about how special teams gets overlooked, but there's no bigger momentum changer. Than a special teams play, a return, oh, kick, for sure. a block punt. So that's what's beautiful about it, and that is absolutely true uh, in our game Sunday. All right, fellas, NFL rushing leaders coming into this week. Nick Chubb, 1,175 yards. Christian McCaffrey, 1,167 yards. Derrick Henry, 1,140. Josh Jacobs, who we'll see Sunday, 1061. And then Dalvin Cook rounds out the top five, 1046. Tight group there, fellas. Uh, not a lot of yards separates them. Landon, is Derrick Henry going to be the NFL's leading rusher this season? I think it's very possible because you look at Nick Chubb, the Browns are in disarray, and it's very impressive for him to be number one right now, but I'm not sure if he can sustain it. Christian McCaffrey, his coach, Ron Rivera, was fired, and I'm sure there will be uphill from that. And with Derrick Henry... Like all these other guys, he's the unquestioned best offensive player on the team. Except for us to win, it has to go through Derrick Henry. Like with the Browns, Baker Mayfield can have a good game. With with the Panthers, Kyle Allen can surprise and have a good game. With the Vikings, Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs can blow up. With us, if Derrick Henry's not having a good game, we're not winning. Period. And I think we're going to continue winning. So therefore. Henry's going to have to keep exploding. He only has to have 36 more rushing yards than anyone else over this last four games. And he's really the only guy out of these top five where a playoff spot is in question. Minnesota feels like they're locked in 
as a wild card team, maybe a division winner. All these other teams feel like they're out of the picture. So Henry is going to be relied on the most because, well, we need him the most. I think some of our listeners will think it's hyperbole to say we're not winning without Henry having a, doing what he does. But I, I agree. I, I think Tannehill has shown himself uh, well, and he's been a really tough guy. He's also, in the last few weeks, thrown 20 times a game. You don't get to throw just 20 times a game unless you have a guy who's absolutely ripping them off and absolutely getting first downs, controlling the line of scrimmage, just doing a good job, not just uh, Derrick Henry, but uh, our offensive line against the run. Uh, they have done a really good job in the last two weeks. I'm, I'm going to guess weeks 16, 17 for sure, Christian McCaffrey is going to go back in uh, packing peanuts, right, for next season because what are they playing for? And they'll be playing for another coach and maybe another – uh, GM, they're going to take their best asset and they're going to put it back uh, behind glass, right? I don't know. It's tough to say. I mean, you know, obviously well, he's not going to want to, but I, right, I bet, exactly. I bet they might. Yeah, yeah. Um, he he definitely doesn't want to because he's a really good kid and he wants to play every single game. But they might be a lot more conservative of what they're going to do. They might try to get to see some other guys. Um, I really hate this part of the game because it, you know they're not tanking, but they're not putting their best foot forward. But if I'm the if I'm the Panthers, I'm definitely proceeding with caution and letting. I would let him dictate how he plays in the game. Um, and if he were at all any, if he had a headache, I'd pull him out. But yeah, so I'm. I, I mean, it's a it's a question on what that team is going to do from here on out. Um, like you mentioned, they're they're pretty much eliminated. Yeah, I, I'd be very careful with with Christian McCaffrey going forward. Looking at this list, fellas, Lamar Jackson is ninth with 977 yards, <laughs> averaging seven yards a carry. And I just think the football gods that the New England Patriots, one pick before he went, picked Sony Michelle and not him. Because you could, could you imagine another decade? Oh. oh, my gosh. So just thank you to the whatever happened there. But just amazing. Uh, and I know we, we're talking Titans today, but wow. 977 rushing yards it's in 12 games. He's a quarterback. It's unreal. I think the MVP race is going to be a really tough one this year. Pfft, and I don't think it's this, that tough right now. Do you well, right. I mean, right now it's really not hard to, to decipher. But, you know, it's really tough because Lamar is doing things we haven't seen before. Um, you know, I mean, his closest comp is Michael Vick. And I think he's better than Vick. And, you know, that's saying a lot. But Russell Wilson... He's still incredible. I mean, if you have a team and you're in a tough game, who do you want? Either one of those guys. It's like, who, yeah. Right. Picking between the two most beautiful women you ever met in your life. Uh, <laughs> at this point in the season, these guys are terrific. And they are out-of-the-box, non-traditional guys, per se, how they play. And I think it's great for the NFL because we're missing about 12 good quarterbacks. And I think it's time for us to look outside of the box. And these guys are. Russell Wilson is about my size, and uh, yeah, he's built like a fullback, but he is like probably 5'10 and a half on a good day. And Lamar Jackson, I think, was dismissed because of his thin frame and because, you know, he gets a lot of his yards running. Uh, but Landon was a big advocate for him, and it's not one of those guys where it's like, well, how long is this going to last? Yeah, it's a tough league, and he's playing the position in a tough way, but the guy never really takes too many big hits. Landon has told us that for so long. And you know what? I'm going to live in the moment with him 
And I just want to see how it plays out with him. Obviously, we want the Titans to go up to Baltimore if need be and win. But he just, he has made this game and this season a heck of a lot more interesting, right? Oh, for sure. Big fella, what do you know about our injury report? What's the latest you've heard from practice today? So, obviously, we've had quite a few people not, you know, not practice today. Some of it, I'm sure, is just getting some players some veteran rest, you know, especially leading up to a big trip, you know, to play Oakland. I always think that's really tough. It's really hard. One of the big questions that we saw, you know, Adoree Jackson was knocked out of the game, and, you know, it's always a concern for him, and I'm always worried about him. It looks like he didn't practice again today. Um, and as we saw, we claimed Tremaine Brock uh, off waivers. Yeah. I can't um, believe that guy's been in the FL 10 years. And so yeah. I think that's a heads-up thing by Robinson because I just think we need bodies at this point. I'm mm-hmm. not as worried about Sunday without a Dory. I'm more worried about how much we'll see him and how he might heal for the rest of the season, right? Because if we lose him for the season, uh, that's, that's just going to be really, really tough, more so than just this game, right? Yeah, I mean, if you know, not to say losing him for any game is good, but if we were going to lose him for one game, I would rather it be this game when Oakland can barely field a, a healthy squad of receivers. Um, I mean, Hunter Renfro, their second receiver, is he's questionable if not out already. Um, I believe he's out, and he's played well for them. But here's yeah. the thing: that's their weakest position, and they are really thin. At receiver, I think they had what two receptions, three receptions by uh, receivers uh, Sunday against Kansas City against Kansas City's um, right. corner. So yeah, they're they're in a bad spot. Hunter Renfro makes that worse uh, for them. So the Adore Jackson thing, we'd always want him, like you said, but really, really to feel good. If this re- we need right. this guy down the stretch, you know, at the absolute end of the season. So my hope is uh, the injury isn't serious. He gets healed this week, and then we uh, hopefully see him, um, you know, back next Sunday. I would agree. Delaney Walker uh, put on injured reserve. I, I think this is the last we'll see of Delaney Walker, who goes down is maybe the best free agent acquisition, and there have been some good ones. Uh, since the Titans have been in Nashville, the value this guy gave uh, for seven seasons with the team. Do you think that we'll uh, see Delaney Walker in uh, two-tone blue again? You know, I do. He's got one year left on the deal that he signed, and I think, I know, he. you know, when you get injured like this, nobody feels worse about it than the actual player. He's been quoted as saying, you know, he's still a Titan, and he's got oh, another yeah. year in the contract, and, you know, if it's up to him, he'll be back, and... Um, I, I hope he is. Uh, I hope he's healthy. <laughs> if right. he's I wouldn't just, doubt a guy like hmm. that per se, but he's 35 years old. That was a tough, gruesome injury. Showed a lot of character and heart to come all the way back. But it worries me that he couldn't sustain his health. That's the big thing about getting older by NFL terms, John, I think, is that's fine and good. You can play. But when you have that injury, it's really, really tough to come back. So uh, yeah, God I bless mean, him, and I would love to see him. Uh, but I don't think they have uh, any more or much guaranteed money on this last year of the deal. And I'm just really interested to see how the team plays it because he comes back at a, at a pretty decent number there. And I just wonder if uh, they'll make that true decision to move on. Yeah, he's got a base salary of $5.4 million next year with a cap hit of $8.3 million. Yeah, the 8.3 um, I think is the question there. Yeah. A dead cap is $1.6 million. So right. the pro, it's probably it's, the prorated amount of his bonus, yeah. It's tough. 
Um, it's going to be a tough spot. I, I hope he's back because I think he's a really solid player. And I always love players who transcend the game outside, off the field too. And he's great for this community, and he does a lot of community events. Um, so it's always great to have that kind of an advocate on your team. Big fellow, we're a two-and-a-half-point favorite in Oakland. Did that line surprise you at all, or is that about right? I think it's about right because we're trending up. Oakland's trending down. Um, if this game were in Nashville, I think the, the line would jump quite a bit more than that. Usually you get three points for being a home team, so I think that's about about fair. But, it, it again, it is no easy task. I'm always very weary of these games where you have to travel across the country. Right. Mm-hmm. Crossing You've a couple different time that, zones. That's, that's a real thing. Yep. That is a long way from Nashville to Oakland. I mean, we saw it happen to Oakland. Um, they traveled to New York and they got they got whooped by the Jets. And you know that the Jets they they couldn't beat a high school team right now. We've got some players who are from that area, so maybe they're expecting the travel. Maybe they do the travel in their personal time. Maybe they know good ways to cope with it. Um, but it's something that's always of my concern. So Oakland, like you referred to, is taking a beating the last two uh, weeks. They were blown out by Kansas City. If you watch that game, uh, they got behind and they really never recovered. They did some decent things, but they uh, wow, it it doesn't look good on paper. Uh, I expect a good effort from this team on Sunday. They're playing for this is it, I believe. If they get their seventh loss. I, I just don't really see how they're going to play their way in. Um, but uh, they have some shortcomings. We mentioned their lack of weapons on the perimeter. Uh, their offensive line has played pretty well, but they have a tough time getting to the outside, or at least they did against, against Kansas City. Um, Josh Jacobs is a really good player. And on one hand, the offensive play calling is good. I mean, it's solid. On the other hand, it, it seems a little dated with the West Coast stuff, so it's just going to be really interesting to – to see them play the Titans and watch them for three and a half hours and just kind of get a feel for kind of how they are moving forward, not even just against us, just kind of see where this team's future is. Derek Carr is a guy that can do that over-the-shoulder throw and really look good. He's got a good arm. He's got a good mind. He's a good guy, good leader. He will throw it in the middle of the field and make some really dumb decisions, though. And we're going to have to – we're going to have to – Get him to do that. Uh, you saw Kansas City. Now, Kansas City, we we know they're not a world-beating defense, especially uh, in their back four. They jumped some routes. They got a pick six. They just absolutely jumped them. And I think some of that is the predictability uh, of the, the West Coast, and I just think it's their limited weapons too. But uh, to feel good about this game, we're going to have to uh, get after him, right? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I think our pass rush is going to be more important this week than it's ever been. Like you mentioned, Derek Carr can surely make some dumb decisions. And, you know, he's picked off twice in Kansas City. And I really think this could be another opportunity for us to get some big turnovers. Yeah, so I, I, look, for, I look forward to Logan Ryan having another incredible game. I look forward to Tremaine Brock having, you know, a rotational impact on this team. And, you know, I, I look forward to, to forcing Derek Carr into some big-time mistakes. Yeah, I think Ty Smith is going to be important for us um, Sunday, and he's acquitted himself well. And hopefully we get back Jackson, if not Sunday, completely healthy very soon. And then these guys get an opportunity to uh, to get some game experience like they did last week. And that's a win-win scenario for us. But 
Yeah, they have not looked good on the uh, perimeter, but these guys are NFL players, and so we are going to have to be ready. And I, I would encourage our fans to not overlook this team. It's a desperate team, and they do have some character, and they have some really good players. That being said, they're 6-6 six and six with a negative 89-point differential. as to say <laughs> the other team has scored 89 more points than they have this season, although they're 6-6. Six and six. Now, that's been skewed by two blowouts in the last two weeks. I don't really like – Stats like that in a very small sample size, like 12 games. But is there something for us to read into that, big fella? I think so. Um, you know, if we continue, like Landon mentioned earlier, scoring 30 points a game, they don't have the firepower to, to do that. So I think this is going to be one of those games where we jump out on them early and we just got to keep our foot on the gas and they can't keep up. I think we get behind players. We play some really good receivers and they don't have one. Uh, they had one, and he went crazy, and I, I don't mean that as a joke. That's sad, but um, and he really hurt this team. But they stay behind guys and let them do their thing, and they tackle them, and that's just the game plan. I mean, you watch it, and they don't l- like to give up, and they've done a pretty good job of not giving up the big play and waiting for teams to make a mistake, like an interception or a fumble or a penalty or lack of execution on a smaller level, and to eventually have to punt, right? And that's what our defense does. And the Raiders make a lot of mistakes, like you just said. And I think that's what we're going to do. So uh, it may be close early, but I think eventually we're just going to depend on our bend, don't break. I don't really like that term, but we're going to depend on our team, on our defense to not make any big mistakes and then wait for them to make a big mistake. Like look at our second half last week because Byard was ready and Logan Ryan was ready twice. And I uh, think if we win this game, that's how it's going to go, right? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Yeah, we have to take advantage of the matchups. So I'm looking right now behind enemy lines and their injury report. And they've got a couple big pieces that did not practice all week. Um, Trent Brown didn't, per- didn't participate in Trent practice. Josh Jacobs didn't participate in practice because of his shoulder. Hunter Renfro, like we talked about early, um, he didn't participate. Kyle Wilbur, one of their linebackers, didn't participate. So, yeah, I think it's our opportunity to, to, to lay it on them and not and take advantage of this opportunity and, you know, make them keep up with us, which I don't, which they can't do. Big fellow, we've seen the NFL kind of favor nickel and dime more than ever uh, packages, uh, especially as the game goes on. And we've seen – so the personnel kind of fits that. We've seen a lot of linebackers – where they used to go 250, go 230, 235, or less, right? There's yeah. some 225-pound NFL linebackers out there. And it's be, it's because they need to defend, right? And they need to defend a running back who goes on a screen, or they need to uh, the, they, they need to be better in coverage, right? So yeah. Derrick Henry uh, takes advantage of that. That's a big thing. You If you watch all of his games the last uh, six weeks, but ex- especially last Sunday, there were only – two guys in the back seven that could consistently tackle him. And one of them is Willie Cooker, who he absolutely made look like a ragdoll in one point. And I know we're fans and it sounds like we're whatever, but just if you objectively watch that tape, that's what comes, especially down the stretch with injury. In the back seven or back eight, big fella, um, who on this Raiders team can tackle Derrick Henry in the open field, because that's where he's gotten his yards. If he gets past that front three or four guys, especially in the third or fourth quarter, and he's got 195 pounds, look out. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's his game, right? 
It's like you, he's a battering ram, literally. He's like oh, Eddie yeah. George was in the day, but I mean, obviously Eddie wasn't that big, but he was that tough. And, um, but the guy has an extra gear. So for me, I, I'm watching uh, Oakland's tape and I'm thinking, Abrams is hurt, the rookie. Uh, they have a lot of guys out. They're kind of small on that back end. Who, um, Carl Joseph is out for the season. Who's bringing him down in the secondary Sunday? I mean, there aren't a lot of people that can, but one guy that I look at specifically is LaMarcus Joyner. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's the kind of guy that I, I've never really liked his tape. I, I think he's a dirty player, but he's a guy that, that I think would go low on Derrick Henry, and, you know, Derrick Henry being the giant that he is, you know, can be brought down if you go low on him. Obviously, if you're trying to wrap up Derrick Henry's legs, not going to happen. Those things are, you know, thoroughbreds. He's going to just march well, through. But going high is even dumber than that. Right, yeah. So, I mean. He, he gets asked like he gets asked about that in uh, press conferences, and Henry says, everyone tries to go low all the time. They're always trying to take out my legs. I mean, at this point, uh, you talk about dirty players. This is that time of year. Uh, I, I think he on the lookout for, for that attack all the time, right? Oh, have, you have to be. Especially being a running back in this league and carrying the size that he is, you have to be aware of that. I mean, how many times have we saw, have we seen Derrick Henry streaking down the field? You know, he's not <laughs> these little quick steps. He's these big, no. elongated, high knee steps because he's not stupid. No, he's not. And these guys uh, don't want to be embarrassed. And uh, the tape, we all get a kick out of that. Uh, these guys are tough. This is still a very violent game. I'm sure there are a few guys on every team that would love to end a season. So we know this. Ryan Tannehill is getting a lot of love right now, and he's he's really tough, and he's shown a lot of character. And like you mentioned earlier, he gets after people. He, he's got leadership ability and a little bit of revisionist history. When you look back in his Miami tape, it's like, well, he was never really bad. He was either okay or good or hurt. And so now we look at that tape differently. We're like, well, they were bad. They're a bad team, uh, the Dolphins. So ultimately – there are some shortcomings, but this team, the way it's currently playing and set up, they need somebody that can convert on third down. They need somebody that can make a stake and come back out and be bold. And um, they need somebody that uh, can do the little things, hit somebody on a screen. And uh, it's weird. The little things go a lot better now. Yeah. Uh, but Ryan Tannehill does not pre- protect the ball. We talked about that earlier in the podcast. That is going to come back to haunt them, I think, uh, potentially. Uh, he makes up for it by really having no memory of his mistakes. Uh, he held the ball, though. Uh, because if you look on paper, say, oh, our offensive line, another bad game. And look, they didn't look great in the first half. But Tannehill held the ball for a very long time. And against the run, I think our offensive line did well. Do you feel the same way um, as far as our offensive line against the pass? No, they don't get an A grade. But uh, what did we give up? Seven sacks? They played better than than they looked on paper, right? And... Does this worry you moving forward about how long he held the ball and how prone he was to uh, to to mistakes on Sunday? He was more careless with the ball this weekend than I've seen him this year, and that worried me a bit, especially after that fumble. I was like, oh, my God, here we go. Um, but you're right. He did hold the ball quite a bit, and, I mean, I was just screaming at the TV. So I think Tannehill at this point in his career, he's a true pro's pro. He's going to watch the tape, and he's going to acknowledge that. And I think with a good week of practice, I'm not going to say you can fix all of it, but I think he's going to be aware of you know how the, how badly that could have hurt this team 
and he's just lucky that it didn't. Yeah. He just had no awareness of, of who was around him and what, you know, taking care of the ball. And that's not typical Tannehill football that we've seen uh, over the past, you know, season here. Well, we've so, seen him make some mistakes, but I think it was amplified on Sunday. And oh, for sure. Hang in there. He's so tough to a fault. He'll hang in there, but I don't know that if he does have he doesn't have the awareness or maybe that type of athleticism to in the last second you'll see Russell Wilson just cover the ball and fall down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and uh, maybe it's that he hasn't played. Uh, uh, he didn't play a lot for uh, a calendar year. Uh, but regardless, I, I'm not super terribly worried about it. But that is something to think about. Uh, I think the important thing is right now, I think we have a defense and a running game where he knows. Uh, I think you look at some of these guys and you know they, they have the weight of the game on them. They have to do something. That's how Mitch Trubisky's gotten in trouble. Their running game stinks, so he's had to go out and do something. If he played on our team, I mean, I'm glad he doesn't, uh, then it would be like, well, i got to throw this 18 times and I've got to get seven or eight first sounds uh, on third down and then Derrick Henry's going to beat everybody up in the third and fourth quarter and we're going to win. And that's the game plan. So yeah. I think a lot of our fans say, well, Ryan Tannehill, yeah, he threw 22 times in one game, the one before 18. He has done terrific because it's a lot easier said than done. Oh, well, he just needs to do a third down. He doesn't have to carry the team. You still got to convert third down. It's still the NFL. It's incredibly tough. Our receivers, have you noticed uh, Tannehill's run here? They've not dropped a lot of passes, knock on wood, right? Uh, so it's been an effort around. He is in the perfect situation. But a lot of people have been in really good situations at quarterback, and he is uh, making the most of it. Without a doubt. And it gets me really aggravated because, you know, like we've talked about throughout the, throughout the season, and everybody knows I'm a Mariota guy, and these drops happened when Mariota was under center, and they're not happening with Tannehill. So mm -hmm. um, kind of like I, I spoke to you earlier, I think Tannehill's vocal leadership in the huddle and rah-rah attitude, I think that really takes well with the, with the players. A, a lot less drops and, you know, a lot uh, well, players are coming up bigger in bigger moments. And that's what we need from this team. We need to see that development and progression. We've seen it from the best players on our team. They're playing better than they have. And uh, Tyler Lewan has played better. Terrell Casey has played better. And the 46th man active plays very well in the last month. And that's a testament to the kind of guys they pick. It's a testament to the character. This is the toughest part of the season. Uh, even the three of us who just watch a lot of football will we'll look and say, who is that guy? Not on our team, but on other teams. It's the <laughs> right. here where it is a, uh, it is a, it's just a battle to find live bodies, so to speak. And uh, the Titans have improved in a lot of ways. The biggest way is the back end of our roster. And that is a credit to John Robinson, and it's credit to the coaches that developed these guys. They're ready. It's like even last year, the fifth receiver on our team, Nick Williams, no offense to him personally, ball goes through his hand. Okay, three weeks ago on this podcast, we're talking about Khalif Raymond, who looked really good in the preseason. We see a lot of guys look good in the preseason, right? And they're not NFL players. Well, you said, well, I think Khalif Raymond's going to have a role on this offense. Well... I don't know about that. Well, what does he do on Sunday? <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that's something. Um, and uh, Corey Blazing game was picked up off the street two weeks ago, and the guy played 12 snaps and gave us a look that we really needed. I mean, that is really something. At some point, uh, our tight ends, we need a little bit more than a tight end being a fullback. And those 12 plays are wildly what we've seen
the 49ers and we've seen the Patriots when their fullback was healthy. We've seen them kind of double back now that all the formations and personnel is different. They're doubling back on this fullback. And it's a testament to our offensive play callers that they're evolving midseason with kind of their looks and things like that. And that we have a front office and go out and find a guy that actually belongs on the field. So, yes, I told you guys if we beat the Colts in Indianapolis, I was going to drink the Kool-Aid, and I have. I'm really impressed. This is a playoff team. Uh, We have a really tough next four games. I don't care what happens. Uh, This has been an awesome run. It's not been fool's gold. We've not played the worst six teams in the NFL. We have just stepped up and played really good football, right? Oh, without a doubt. And, you know, I mean, early in the season after that big Cleveland win, we were talking about this team being magical and having something different. And I think we were kind of let down after a couple of games, but my spirits have been lifted. So have yours. And I'm feeling more positive than ever before. And I think we could make a run at this thing. Absolutely. And I'm not afraid to say that. And I, it's nice to, to root for a good team, right? I mean, it's just really fun. And, uh, a lot of things have changed and, uh, I just really appreciate the effort of the team, the coaching staff. We do not have a bad coaching staff. We do not have a bad front office. People are so herky-jerky. It's interesting how, yeah, they've not been perfect, but the play calling in the last uh, two or three weeks especially has just been marvelous because they have uh, they have built this offensive round, Henry, uh, literally, and everything starts with him, and he's just playing like literally the best player in the NFL in the last three or four weeks. And a lot of people, oh, he's running, blah, 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 blah. Watch the tape. I mean, this guy is absolutely a threat. He's humongous, and he's just uh, really, really fun to watch. A really exciting offensive player in his prime. It's just a blast. Oh, yeah, and also having the backing of the national media, you know, supporting what we've known all along, it's also a really good and reassuring thing. You know, when you can watch the – you can watch NFL Today, and, and, you know, they're not making jokes about the Titans anymore. They're saying that they're a dangerous oh, yeah. team and people don't want to play us. You I'm know, that it. that yeah. makes me feel so good. That's such a good point. Bill Simmons is a guy I listen to every week, and he was like, he makes jokes about the Titans constantly. And then in the last three weeks, it's like, oh, no, the Titans are good. I think they'll win the AFC, whereas it's all a big joke to him. And it's like, uh, and it's like, yeah, these guys turn on the dime. And it's like, oh, yeah, the Titans, that's the thing. There's, they're a team. That's it. They're good. I like them. And it's like. I can't even get too mad at them because, you know, it's like they, they're they kind of – but now we we are a bit on the national radar and uh, well-deserved by every person over at Baptist Sports Park. John, let's get out of here with a prediction. Um, what's your thoughts? We go to Oakland, and how does it go? I'm going to go – we're going to we're gonna come out of there with a win. It's, I'm thinking maybe like a 24-17 game. So we did this last time with the Kansas City game. We made a prediction, and I got it right to the point, and you were very close too. And so that's why uh, that's why I'm going 38-14. Ooh, and, baby. Uh, because I, I feel like maybe there's a little magic fairy dust there. So why would I go, if I think I might get it right, why would I go 30-29, right? <laughs> so yeah, right. just in case, guys, doing my part. It's been a lot of fun. It's great to be a Titans fan right now. I know that sounds hokey, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, really excited to see how these next four games go. It's just fun to be kind of in the arena, right? It's fun to be in the thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially when you have the context of two and four start and just more of the same. It's fun to just even, you know, we're not a perfect team. We're not Baltimore. That must be fun. But 
it is uh, just really a blast to just see a lot of guys with a lot of character just play their hearts out. That'll be it for today. Uh, on behalf of Big Fella and Landon, can't wait to see how it goes. 325 is the Titans kickoff central, and we'll talk to you next week. Tighten up. You say tighten up, but I want to say run, Derek, run. <laughs>